Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Praise the Lord. Well, it's, this has been a wonderful honor for me, so to speak. This is, I think, my third or fourth year in a row having an opportunity to do a pre-Christmas midweek service, which is, is neat. And as many of you remember, I've had several people approach me, you know, Brother Cordell, are you going to do one of your fun ones again, or are you gonna, what do you have for us this year? Uh, and the reason I do that, I try to make it a, try to make it a little lighter, and uh, because I know if you're where I'm at right now, anybody here have all of their Christmas shopping done? Anybody? Okay, forget all you guys. Never mind. I used to like you guys, but anyway. Uh, but it's a stressful time. You've got family coming over probably in the next day or two, and all of the hustle and bustle. Some of you are working still. You know, we're working, and uh, all of that's going on. And so we try to get a midweek service in, and we're thinking about the turkey or the ham or whatever and all that stuff. So I've tried to make that a little bit lighter, but... And I, and I have a little something fun for you this evening too, but I also have something pretty neat that I felt that the Lord spoke into my heart as I was preparing for this lesson. So I have something I'm, I'm kind of excited to share. And you might hear it, and some of you are very seasoned and very studied, might say, oh, yeah, okay, I knew that. But some of you might say, wow, I never knew that. I never thought of it that way. Because when the Lord gave it to me, I never thought of it that way. So it's about Christmas, and I'm very excited about that. So I'd like to share that with you this evening. Uh, so before I, I dive into the little bit more of the serious part. Uh, I've got a friend of mine that is uh, a very technical. He's, he's kind of a technical guy, but he's a writer, and he's a very good writer. And so I thought it would be fun this year, uh, instead of going through my normal uh, diatribe, and I was talking last year about Black Friday and all that stuff, if you remember. I talked about commercial Christmas. Um, I thought it would be fun to do something a little more classical, uh, and I looked at some of the neat the Christmas stories that are out there. Okay. And it's really, this part of it is just really just about togetherness and, and, and being with family and, and just the excitement of Christmas. Um, but I wanted to pick one of the classical stories. And I said, could you rewrite this for me, though, because of the old language and it's the, you know, all that stuff. And I wanted to modernize it a little bit just to, just to make it a little more in tune. And, uh, I, but I forgot that he's, he's a very technical guy. As a matter of fact, he write, he's a technical writer for the U.S. government, and he makes manuals and things like that. So, um, so he came back with this, and I read it, and I just thought it was hysterical. So I'm going to go ahead and share it with you. I hope it's okay. Uh, and I just want to bring a little mirth and a little laughter for you guys as we're preparing to go into the, into the Christmas holiday. By the way, did anybody remember from last year that we were tricking everybody because holiday really came from holy days? So everybody's walking around saying happy holidays. They're really saying happy holy days, right? They're being holy and they don't know it. I love it. Take Jesus out, we'll give you holy. All right. Okay. So I'll go through this rather quickly, but I thought it was amusing. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, and this is a rendition of Twas the Night Before Christmas. And he says, Twas the nocturnal segment of the diurnal period preceding the annual Yuletide celebration. And throughout our place of residence, kinetic activity was not in evidence among the possessors of this potential, including that species of domestic rodent known as Mus musculus. Hosiery was meticulously suspended from the forward edge of the wood-burning caloric apparatus. Pursuant to our anticipatory pleasure regarding an imminent visitation from an eccentric philanthropist, among whose folkloric appellations is the honorific title of St. Nicholas. Cliff is understanding every word of this. 
guys don't, he's an engineer for those of you who don't know. The prepubescent siblings, comfortably ensconced in their respective accommodations of repose, were experiencing subconscious visual hallucinations of variegated fruit confections moving rhythmically through their cerebrums. My conjugal partner and I, that doesn't seem right. Attired in our nocturnal head coverings, we're about to take slumberous advantage of the hibernal darkness when upon the eventuous exterior portion of the grounds there ascended such a cacophony of dissonance that I felt compelled to arise with alacrity. Boys, it really says alacrity, by the way. My, yeah, they, they get that. Arise with alacrity from my place of repose for the purpose of ascertaining the precise source thereof. Hastening to the casement, I forthwith opened the barriers sealing this fenestration, noting thereupon that the lunar brilliance without reflected as it was on the surface of a recent crystalline precipitation. Might be said to rival that of the solar meridian itself, thus permitting my incredulous optical sensory organs to behold a miniature airborne runnered conveyance drawn by eight diminutive specimens of the genus Rangifer piloted by a minuscule aged chauffeur so ebullient and nimble that it became instantly apparent to me that he was indeed our anticipated caller. With this ungulate motive power traveling at what may possibly have been more vertiginous velocity than patriotic aller predators, he vociferated loudly, expelled breath musically through contracted labia, and addressed each of the octet by his or her respective cognomen. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, Common Cupid, etc. Guiding them to the uppermost exterior level of our abode, through which structure I could readily distinguish the constantaneous of each of the 32 cloven pedal extremities. As, <laughs> as, I, as I retracted my cranium from its erstwhile location and was performing a 180 degree pivot, our distinguished visitant achieved with utmost celerity and via a downward leap, entry by way of the smoke passage. He was clad entirely in animal pelts soiled by the ebony residue from oxidations of carb carboniferous fuels which had accumulated on the walls thereof. His resemblance to a street vendor I attributed largely to the plethora of assorted playthings which he bore dorsally in a commodious cloth receptacle. His orbs were scintillant with reflected luminosity, while his submaxillary dermal indentations gave every evidence of engaging amiability. The capillaries of his molar regions and nasal uh, <laughs> appurtenance were engorged with blood which suffused the subcutaneous layers, the former approximating the coloration of Albion's floral emblem. Oh, it's romantic. The latter that of the, <laughs> the prunus avium, or sweet cherry. His amusing sub and subprolabials resembled nothing so much as a common loop knot, and their ambient hirsute facial adornment appeared like small tabular and commoner crystals of frozen water. Clenched firmly between his incisors was a smoking piece whose gray fumes forming a tenuous ellipse about his occupant, were suggestive of a decorative seasonal circlet of holly. His visage was wider than it was high, I can relate to that, and when he waxed audibly mirthful, his corpulent abdominal region undulated in this manner of impessimitated 
impectinated fruit syrup in a hemispherical container. That's the jelly. That's what they juggled with, like jelly. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> fruit syrup in a hemispherical container. He was, in short, neither more nor less than an, than an obese jocund multigenarium gnome the optical perception of whom rendered me visibly frolicsome despite every effort to refrain from so being. By rapidly lowering and then elevating one eyelid and rotating his head slightly to one side, he was winking, he indicated that trepidation on my part was groundless. Don't be afraid, is what he said. Without utterance and with dispatch, he commenced filling the aforementioned uh, appended hosiery with various of the aforementioned articles of merchandise extracted from his aforementioned previously dorsally transported cloth receptacle. Upon completion of this task, he executed an abrupt about-face, placed a single manual digit in lateral juxtaposition to his olfactory organ, inclined his cranium forward in a gesture of leave-taking, and forthwith affected his egress by renegotiating, in reverse, the smoke passage. He then propelled himself in a short vector onto his conveyance, directed a musical expulsion of air through his contracted oral sphincter to the antlered quadrupeds of burden, and proceeded to soar aloft in a movement hitherto observably chiefly among the seed-bearing portions of a common weed. But I overheard his parting exclamation audibly immediately prior to his vehiculation beyond the limits of visibility, ecstatic yuletide to the planetary constituency and to that self-same assemblage my sincerest wishes for a salubriously beneficial and gratifyingly pleasurable period between sunset and dawn. To all a good night. It, it touches the heart. It really does. I'm a little choked up. So I wanted to share that with you. I had another one that was very amusing. Um, uh, unfortunately, Brother Mesa and his group uh, are not here in number, but I have a great one that they, that they did uh, for um, a little bit of a Hispanic touch, but I'll share that one maybe for another year. So tonight I wanted to uh, share something a little bit a little bit more serious, but uh, kind of interesting and, a, and a, a lot of fun, I think, that God had given me and spoken in my heart. And, and it's about Christmas and its meaning. And, and as I was preparing the message, I thought, boy, how many things, those of you who have been around a few years or a few more than me even, how many things have we heard, how many v- versions and how many different ways people have said the meaning of Christmas is and this, and this story and that story and, and, and the songs and all of those things and it's, it's very difficult to be original and, and uh, come up with something of that and so I, I just wanted to share something and so I prayed and God revealed something to me that I thought was pretty exciting and I want to share that with you and, uh, and by the way I thought this year Sister Matson and her group for the play did an absolutely fantastic job what a wonderful story what a terrific what a t- terrific way to tell the story of our Savior, what the message really means. It's, in, it's indelibly printed in the hearts of the young people who participated in that, and it really affected. We had a lot of visitors that day, and so I really appreciated that. It was wonderful. Uh, so as I was thinking about Christmas and the meaning of Christmas and in a way to maybe encourage and stay a little bit lighter, uh, God spoke to me this, and that is that... You know, society, and we talked about this before, and I've, I've talked it in, in, in past discussions, society wants to remove Christmas. Uh, we've heard all this battle back and forth, and I'm not going to go into all of those details because we all know it doesn't matter. We all know that the Christmas story does not go away, and that's the beauty of what our God stands for is that, 
You know, I've often said, and I've encountered in my years, I've, I've talked to atheists and people who are agnostic, agnostic and, and profess there is no God or they don't believe that there's one or they're not sure. But you know what's really neat about that? It doesn't mean, I mean, he's still there. Whether you believe him or not, he's still there. Whether you believe you came from an explosion or you came from something in space or you crawled out of primordial ooze or whatever, the truth of God still exists. And so don't be afraid or don't get worried or too, too out of place if you hear this whole thing, they're taking Christmas out, they're taking Christmas out. Because like I said, they're walking around saying happy holidays. Well, a bunch of fools are saying, you know, holy days. So they're talking about holiness. You can't take Christ out of society. You can't take Christmas out of society. You can't take this message out of society until God decides that he's taking it out of society. And that's simply going to happen one day, and that's, that's just a fact. And so whether they believe it or not, or they want to take it out of public society, out of the schools, it doesn't matter. He's still there. You're still here. You're still ministering it. We're still ministering it. And that's a wonderful story. And so as I was thinking about that and uh, the fact that people don't want to be reminded of his existence, so when Christmas comes around, they want to secularize it as much as possible so that they're not reminded of what the Christmas story really means. No one wants to be constantly faced with what God built into our conscience. And see, that's the beauty part of that thing. You can profess to not believe in God, not to believe in the Christmas story, but see, God built in every human being that's ever existed a conscience and a desire. Do you know that every society, every recorded society that's ever existed on planet Earth has had a religious factor to their history? Every society. I don't care if it's the Incas, the Mayans, if it's ancient uh, Egyptian, if it's Oriental, whatever the case may be. Every society that's ever existed has had a spiritual element to their society, to their beliefs. Why is that? Because God created in every single human being a conscience and a desire. There's a built-in automatic, whether we suppress it or we're deluded into some other form of religion or we're, we're misguided or whatever the case is, it's still there. And so in all of these ancient religions and these ancient societies, they were reaching out to God in some way. So atheism and all that stuff and this stuff to take Christmas out of the picture, you can't erase history. But you can't, you cannot erase the human conscience. And so that's the thing that we can, hope, we can rest our hope on. We know that every human that's created, every baby that's born, is born with a desire in some way, shape, or form to reach out to something greater than what's on this earth. And whether it's through the Christmas or whatever the case may be, God is still real and God is still there. And so what he shared with me is the fact, and I don't know if you've ever thought of it this way, but when he gave it to me, I thought, this was really powerful to me, so I'm, I hope I'm not alone. But did you know that Christmas, the, word, the, the, the celebration of Christ's birth, our celebration of Christ's birth, the fact that he was born is a covenant from God? Have you ever thought of Christmas as a covenant? I never have. I never really understood that Christmas was a covenant, that it was a promise from God. See, scripturally speaking, a covenant, when God, let's, well, let's use an example. When Noah got out of the ark and, and the ark rested on the mount and he came out and he established a, an altar and God shone the rainbow in the sky, everybody knows what that rainbow represents, correct? 
It's a, it's a covenant from God, his promise that he will never again destroy the world by water. That's a promise. And it's not a, it's not a conditional promise. There is nothing that Noah had to do. God just came to him and said, okay, I did this work. I, I wiped the slate clean. I will never again destroy the earth with water. And so every time we see a rainbow in the sky, that's a reminder of the covenant that God made with us. It's permanent. God's covenants are permanent, by the way. They don't stop. They don't change. He doesn't take them back. And they are a promise to you and to me of something that he's going to do. So it is a binding contract. It is a binding event of permanence. And so as I was thinking about that, I did a little research on, on the different covenants of the Bible. Now, there's a little bit of disagreement here and there on the specifics. But essentially, there's, there's about seven or eight identified biblical covenants that are really key. For example, uh, the, what they call the Adamic covenant or the covenant with Adam, found in Genesis 1 and 26. I'm not going to go through all that because I'm going to keep this short here for you guys tonight. But I'm just giving you the general idea. The covenant is general in nature and it's included in the command not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and it pronounced a curse for sin and spoke for a future provision for man's redemption. So the Adamic covenant was simply this. Here's the knowledge of, of good and evil, the fruit. Don't eat that. If you do, that's sin and you're cursed. And guess what? That was a promise for God. <laughs> they partook of the fruit. Out they go. And now we toil in the ground. We sweat and women in labor and so forth. And you know the story. Uh, Noah, I just mentioned Noah's covenant with God. Or the uh, Abrahamic covenant, as they say, the unconditional covenant first made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, promised God's blessing upon Abraham. Of course, you know that he would become the father of many nations, etc., and that became true. Abraham's seed, this lineage, is there. It was a covenant, a promise from God. His wife was barren, she had children, and so on. And so there's, as you go through history, there's a lineage of these specific, very powerful, very impactful covenants. There's another one called the Palestinian government covenant. The unconditional covenant found in Deuteronomy chapter 30 uh, that says that God's noted pro God's promise to scatter Israel if they disobeyed God, then to restore them at a later time to their land. The covenant has been fulfilled twice. The Babylonian captivity and the, the subsequent rebuilding of Jerusalem under Cyrus the Great. And as you know, the Jews were scattered all over the world, and even to this day, right now, that covenant is being fulfilled. Jews continue to flow back to Israel. And as we know, that's part of scriptural revelation, right? And so, as we watch that happen, eventually, there's that point where the Jews will be back in Israel. Well, we know in 1948, they were given a state, they were given their own country, which was a big part of that, uh, that covenant and that promise. Then, of course, there was the Mosaic Covenant, which had to do with... Um, excuse me, it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 11, uh, promised the Israelites blessing for obedience and curse for disobedience. And that was a covenant between he and God that they had the law and, and they had to follow when he made Moses the leader. Of course, out of Egypt they go into the promised land. All of that came true. Now it was 40 years that they had to wait because of disobedience, etc. But he did give them the promised land. And then into the Davidic covenant, referring to King David, and that's in Second uh, Samuel chapter 7, and that was the promise to bless David's line, David's family line. And of course, we know that Jesus was born of the lineage of David. And if you read in the first chapter of Matthew, you see that whole lineage right down the line. And that's pretty neat. And I shared that with the young people the other day in our class, that just the story of the birth of Jesus tells a tremendous amount about God's purpose and God's direction and the fantastic lineage that comes from 
Abraham all the way down to Jesus and, and further on. And so we, we went through and we did a study on that. And, uh, and you can certainly do that. Uh, you know, don't breeze by that part of the gospel because it, it's really fascinating. And it really encourages you to go back and study and learn more about each of those patriarchs in Jesus' lineage. <clears throat> Excuse me. So finally, we come to the seventh or the new covenant uh, excuse me, the new, uh, the new Testament covenant. And the word testament, New Testament, or testament really means covenant. And so the Bible essentially is the old covenant and the new covenant, right? The new covenant is the promise from God of his salvation, his provision. And essentially that's why the birth of Jesus, the celebration of Christmas, you are celebrating a covenant with God, a covenant that he made with you. Not just the Jews, not just the Israelites, not just his promised chosen people, but everybody. And what a great story to share. You're celebrating a covenant with God. And to me, that was just, that was, it was wonderful. I'm going to take you to Jeremiah chapter 31. And this is where the covenant is originally established, which is, which is fantastic. Jeremiah chapter 31, starting at verse 31. Sister Matucci has it up there already. This covenant promised that God would forgive sin and have a close, unbroken relationship with his people. And it says in verse 31, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. This is a new covenant. <clears throat> which my covenant they break, although I was an unhusband to them, saith the Lord. And we do know that eventually... The Israelites failed the law again and again and again until we get to the book of Malachi. And after Malachi, God spends no time at all interacting with earth or human beings for 400 years. Everything goes silent because they broke that covenant. But he's got a new covenant that's being promised here. Verse 33, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. That's grace. That's what Jesus Christ brought on the day of his birth, laying in a manger. The most fantastic Christmas present you could ever get is the covenant of grace that he gave us on his day of birth. And two days from now, we're going to be celebrating and remembering and lifting him up because he came to us robed in flesh, a, a high priest that knows every iniquity that we can feel and, and, and knows every pain and every sorrow that we can understand because he came in flesh so that he could be that direct personal priest and have that relationship with us for the purpose of giving us grace that we can find salvation. That's the new covenant. In Luke chapter one, as we take that forward, Luke chapter one, starting at verse 32, it says, he shall be great and he shall be called the son of the highest and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom shall be no end. And of course, that's talking about Jesus. It's taking that lineage from Abraham all the way through, from the Old Testament prophecy in Jeremiah and to the birth of Christ in the Gospels. And you can read each version, Matthew and Luke, of course, discuss that. 
And so the neat, the neat thing about that and, and the message that's therein is that as much as society can try to affect our worship or affect Christmas or whatever they want to do, they don't, don't, don't take the Christmas trees or take the Christmas trees, don't say Christmas, say holiday, I don't care. Because we have a message and it's never going to go away. They're never going to take it away from us. It's, it's a covenant. It's indelibly burned into each and every one of us. Every new baby that's born, there's a covenant that exists that they can partake of. There's grace that exists for every human being that's born from now until the time that Jesus comes back. And there's nothing that's going to take that away. Whether we can celebrate it out there or celebrate it in our hearts, whether we have to share it in secret or share it outwardly, whether we can lift up our voice and praise him or whether we have to whisper it in secret, it's never going to go away. The Christmas story is more than just, well, this is when Jesus was born, but let's celebrate his death. Later on, let's talk about Easter. You know, let's focus on that. Let's share the gospel. Let's remember that when we celebrate Christmas, when we go through this time of year, there is a fantastic and final and complete covenant that we are celebrating that God made with us. That's the Christmas gift that you got that's the best Christmas gift of all. And so that's all I wanted to share with you this evening. I know it was kind of short and sweet. And, and like I said, God just spoke to me. I, I thought about going through much more of the information, but I didn't want to get too heavy and carry too much of a, a heavy uh, message into all the things that you have to do going forward. And I wanted to be a little more lighthearted and want you to enjoy each other. And I appreciate you embracing one another, loving one another. Thank you for those that have come to me and encouraged me. We've had a wonderful year. We, Abundant Life has had a terrific year. We've got many new faces that we, uh, we see, we have new people coming, we have a very good, tight-knit family, everybody's working hard, and uh, this has been a terrific year for us, and, uh, and we're meeting new friends, and good things are going on. Pastor has a terrific vision for 2016, he'll be talking about coming up shortly, and I'm really looking forward to it. I know there's some things in works right now, Sister Dretzka, I think, is working on a new prayer and fasting program, if I understand correctly. Uh, I know Sister Kareen just had one uh, prayer night uh, last Friday night, and that was fantastic. And uh, we're going to continue to focus on those things and move forward. I don't care what society does. I don't care what the government does. I don't care who's elected president. It doesn't matter. We have two jobs. Save ourselves and anybody else that we can get the gospel to and help them, right? It doesn't matter. Amen. I believe it's our civic responsibility to be involved in some of those things, and I think God wants to be good custodians of the government that he's provided us. But in the end, I'm not going to fret about it. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to be distracted by it. I'm not going to be afraid. What happens to the economy? What happens to government? What happens to the president? It doesn't matter because we just have that one job to do, and we're going to keep on moving forward. Our job is to spread the gospel and share this covenant story that I shared with you tonight because it's an exciting one, it's awesome, and there's nothing else in the world that matters that's greater than the story of grace. Thank you very much. If you would like to uh, spend a little time down at the altar, maybe bring your family down. I know we've got some, uh, my daughter's in town from college. I think I saw Ariana Bigley here. If you've got family here tonight, want to spend a little time in prayer and uh, just enjoy one another in God's presence. Really appreciate it. God bless and Merry Christmas to everybody. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 
or email us at info at AbundantLifeChurch.org.